Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Good Music Podcast. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. Everyone that is still uh, quarantined, obviously, if you're listening to this way in the future, then hopefully this should bring back great memories of uh, COVID-19. Yeah. Well, great. I don't know about great. Winger only likes COVID-17. Oh, boy. But we're (laughs) we're experiencing COVID-19. There's songs about 19. Uh, There's got to be. Oh, yeah, there's a Steely Dan song. That's on our Steely Dan episode. Look at that. Check out hey, our Steely Dan episode. Hey, 19. That's the Look song that. on there. Hey, COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we are in the middle of um, a uh, We just safe, had an executive order. Yes. Yeah, Tulsa did. It's, it's, it's like safe for shelter or shelter at home or safer at home. Something about that. Something like that. I feel yeah. like the word shelter's in there, but I can't think of how it's phrased. But, you know, it's just... Us two in a room, so, you yeah. know, and it's, it's, it's like it's kind of our job, so, you know. Kind of. Yeah. We'll, we'll, let, we'll let the authorities triangulate our position. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, this doesn't stop us from doing, if anything, it kind of frees us up to really oh, yeah. pursue this a lot more intensely. I've been at home a lot, listened to a lot of music, so. Yeah, I was talking to my wife about how, like, for content creators, this is like probably best case scenario. Yeah. Because not only do we have the freedom to really work at this a lot harder, but also you guys have pretty much nothing better to do than to just digest content all day. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you saw from our Instagram page, uh, we've got about 36. This will, this will be number 37 that this will be attached to. 37 mm. episodes. Okay. So uh, go binge a bunch of our older episodes. Mm-hmm. Get caught up because very soon we're going to start doing some volume twos. I'm, I'm Ooh, finally. Yes, we are. I'm ready to finally start revisiting some of our um, some of our older artists. Mm-hmm. So, we just listened to one earlier. So yeah. It's coming. Yes, it's on the schedule. So, yeah, this is a good time to just go get caught up with... Uh, all, everything that we've put out so far and uh also will with all that extra time you can uh take some time to leave us a rating leave us a comment check out our um social media pages we've got facebook and instagram now everything that posts to instagram goes straight to facebook so you're not missing out if you're getting one or the other but i'm finding that i'm probably gonna work more on Instagram and just mm-hmm. let that self post to mm-hmm. Facebook. We're already getting a couple of comments. Yeah. So as in uh, people tagging other people and Yeah. Yeah. So def- definitely tag your friends in our posts so they can see it and listen to our uh, podcast. That really helps mm-hmm. spread the podcast to uh, everybody. And then you can talk about the podcast with your friends cuz you got nothing better to do right now. Yeah. So uh, and I just wanted to I, – I said that we would do this, and I'm finally going to start um, start doing this, um, start reading some comments. Oh, yes. We, we have very rudimentary comments. We haven't really busted out a lot of the, um, a lot of the deep discussions. Mm-hmm. We'll do that. But um, at the time, these comments, Muse was the, the newest episode out. Yep. And so um, we've got uh, R. Anderson, which is a – which is a good friend of mine, Rachel. Hello, Rachel, if you're listening. Uh, she is 
a fan of Muse and commented on our release for that that it's one of her favorites. So oh yeah, we're glad that you uh, like them and that you hopefully enjoyed the episode. And she's actually uh, also someone that's left a comment for us on iTunes. Ooh. So all oh, right, we're on iTunes. We're on everything. Oh yeah, we've been <laughs> on iTunes forever. It's Spotify that we still can't crack the code. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you on that. So we'll we'll figure it out. We'll just have to email Anchor about yeah twenty five times. Yeah, that that's how they <laughs> fixed our doors episode. I just I kept emailing them and bugging them. Yeah, and they finally yeah. answered me. And now Anchor's good. <laughs> uh, also, in the link, there's a link in every episode description where you can go to a page to where you can support this channel. Um, I am I think now our new big project is going to be setting up a Patreon. Mm-hmm. That's I've kind of decided, and I think that while we're quarantined, that'll be the perfect time for us to brainstorm on exactly what that page will look like. But right. until that goes up, um, this is going to be the best way for you to support the channel for the monthly donation. This will allow us to uh, upgrade our equipment, get more research materials, and just overall kind of you know push us forward to making this podcast as big and as best as it can be. Mm-hmm. And um, and then, you know, subscribe, whatever platform you're listening on, uh, share with other people, leave us a rating, leave us a comment, let us know what artists you want us to look at next. Um, in fact, I haven't looked at our iTunes comments in a while. I wonder if anyone's sent in any more, um, any more uh, suggestions, suggestions on who, who to, who to, oh, Looks Ooh. like we've got someone asking for Sonic Youth. I've never heard of that band. Uh, from oh, I know Sonic Youth. Okay. They're not a they're not a band that I've done a lot of um, research on, but I I like several of the songs that I've heard. So whoever give me my pizza crust is, <laughs> um, I will take that. In, we need more nineties. Yeah, I, think. I mean, and we did Soundgarden. We did, we did Nirvana. Yeah, we've done Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh-huh. I mean, they're not just '90s, but they were. That was like their biggest time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a couple of '90s metal bands, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe not. Well, we've got one coming up soon, in a couple weeks. We do. Yes. So, well, you probably didn't know that's what decade they were in. Probably not. But they are. Okay. Kind of in the '80s, mostly in the '90s. So. Hmm. Um. Yeah, but. The 90s is a as an area we kind of we should do some more of. So thank you, whoever. Give me my pizza crust is. We're gonna take that into consideration. We do listen to your guys's feedback. I promise. Yep. So <laughs> um, yeah. So quarantine, shutdown, coronavirus. It's completely like disrupted the entire world. Yep. Basically. And, and it used to be that all the headlines are um, people. Like, you know, bands postponing tour dates and concert dates and albums getting pushed back. Mm -hmm. But now, anytime that I read the headlines, it's people saying, "Uh uh-oh, so-and-so from this band has the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And it's starting to really get pretty serious. I kind of made fun of it a little bit a couple episodes ago. I'm eating my words a little bit now. I'm still not, like, terrified of it. I do believe that it's going to blow over. And if I used to... previously thought that by now we would be done with it but yeah me too honestly you know now it's looks like it's going to be a couple months probably before yep. we're on lockdown until the middle of april mm. um, oh that's right but now seeing that and not only are people contracting it but we've got a couple of deaths 
mm-hmm. from the coronavirus. No one, like, no huge stars, but I would say the one that was the most, um, the one that stood out to me the most was the original writer of the song I Love Rock and Roll. Oh. So Joan Jett did not write that song, in case you did not right. know. Right, I remember you saying something about that originally. I didn't know if I had said anything about it. Maybe I had. Maybe you said it to me, and we were in front of the microphone, but the microphone wasn't on. Because this, this <laughs> only happened, like, 14 hours ago. Oh, wow. So I don't well, think... Well, I mean, you talking about how Joan Jett didn't write that song. Maybe. That's what I mean. Maybe, yeah. Um, Alan Merrill, uh, it says he passed away at 69 due to the coronavirus. Oh, man. And then another big name is, uh, he hasn't died, but he, they're saying that he is in critical condition. Uh, John Preen, who is a, like a country folk artist Mm -hmm. from the 60s and 70s. He got, uh, nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame a couple years ago. That's when I had first heard about him. Mm -hmm. I'd never heard of him before. Mm -hmm. Um, but... And I can't say I've still listened to any of his music, but I know the name now right. due to that. And, there, and he's an older guy, and they're saying he's in critical condition due to the coronavirus. So, yeah. you know, social distancing, make sure that you guys are practicing it. I was a little... Um, flipping. Flipping. Yeah, 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 that was the word I was going to use. Yeah, I was <laughs> flipping about it a couple episodes ago. Um, now that I'm seeing that this, this this virus is a serious thing... Please make sure that you guys are staying healthy, mm-hmm. um, and uh, while you are social distancing, it's the perfect time to listen to us blather on about music. And listen to the music that we blather yes. on about. And then, yeah, go check out all these older episodes. I know that I'm for sure going to make Grant here listen to all of our old episodes. Oh, yeah. You will. So this is, this is your chance to, to brush up. I've, I've been listening to a lot of Ghost. The, the ghost episode really is has grown on me. Yeah. So, but I'm running out of ghosts because they only have like four albums. Yeah. So. Yeah, we had a we had a pretty intense ghost debate last weekend mm-hmm. over which album was the greatest. But, yeah. Uh, I insist that it's Infestissimum. Uh, I think it's prequel, but you know. Whatever. To each their own. Listen to our ghost episode, and you can decide for yourself. Yeah. So. Um, All right. So, let's go ahead and get into this week's artist. This week's artist is Between the Buried and Me. Yes. So, this is going to be kind of a new type of band that we're going to be talking about on this podcast. This is going to be the... I want to say this is the first one that is not going to be a a big, well-known band. I think probably as obscure as we had gotten before would have been Ghost. Really? Um, that would that would be probably the smallest band we'd done up to that point. Everyone else, it's like they're all legends, and that people I feel for the most part know who they are. Wow. Okay. So, and I think that the 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 number of listens we got kind of echoed that a little bit because it was one of Maybe. our our less pop. It was still very successful, but compared to like say Led Zeppelin or U two or Elton John, right? Um, or Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel did very well. Oh, yeah. Last that's, week. that's what I've heard, yeah. Um, this is the first one that I would say wouldn't be a a stadium act that you wouldn't hear on the radio that didn't have, you know, the that big hit or, you know, isn't isn't this, this huge group. But this is a band that I think is so, so important in the story of heavy metal. 
especially in kind of where metal has gone the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a band that we're going to get a lot of great musical discussion. discussion. I'm oh, very, yeah. I'm yeah, very excited to pick your brain on all the theory that's going on. Oh my goodness. There it's, it's, oh, there's so much in there. Yeah. Every time I would listen to these songs, I would notice a new little theory nuance. Yep. So, um, so yeah, this is a band that I've over the last couple of years really grown to love. And I was just really excited to talk about them. So hopefully you guys have clicked on this curious and that you guys aren't just passing over because you don't know the band name. Mm-hmm. I would highly encourage you guys to at least try out bands that either you've never heard of or because that's also going to be another component is, yes, we want to talk about the big bands. But we also want to bring to light, you know, the bands that deserve more recognition. Yeah, and, and this is going to be my first attempt at that. Yeah, and then you guys might hear it and then decide that, oh, maybe you like this kind of music. And that's what this podcast yeah, is all about. Exactly. Is, is enjoying music that you didn't know you enjoyed. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, it's I feel, done that for me. I feel like Grant has kind of uh, been like your guys' proxy in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's, you know, he's 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 representative of probably a lot of you guys that's, you know, experiencing a lot of this music for the first time. Right. And so, you know, it's okay if you listen to it and you don't like it, but at mm-hmm. least you have listened to it. And that's as much as I can ask of anyone yep. that follows our channel. So, between the buried and me. Okay, so first thing, you said past 20 years. So this yes. is a band from the 90s then? No. No. This is a band, I want to say their first album came out in like maybe 01. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fact check this okay. real quick. I want to say it was like maybe 01 or 02. Um, 02 is when the first one came out. So this is a band that their entire discography is in the 21st century. Ooh, interesting. Um, at this point, it's it's kind of interesting because these bands that started at that time are kind of starting to get a bit on the older side. You know, these are bands mm-hmm. that are, you know, in their late 30s, early 40s. Right. You know, they're not the, the young guys on the scene anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a band that has gone through a lot of change over the years. So lineup change? No, no. not. I guess there was there was there was kind of most of the lineup changes happened very early in their career. No, as but yeah, by as the good. third album, their lineup has not changed. So their lineup now, I'm gonna guess five. Yep, there's five guys. So there's. Drummer, bassist, there's a keyboardist, there's a guitarist, and there's a singer, and that's it? So actually, there's two guitarists. And one of them sings. No, the keyboardist is the singer, which blew my mind when I learned it, because especially for the kind of music that they play, to have the keyboardist as the lead singer... Does he have, like, a keytar or anything? No, he just... Like, there at times when he's not playing keys, he just grabs the mic off the mic stand and just, like, goes to town, but then, you know, he's just got his normal... Like keyboard rig setup. Okay. So yeah, it's pretty cool. The vocal style just does not fit a keyboard. And player. it's also not you know, <laughs> with some metal bands you'll have one guy that's the harsh vocalist and one guy that's the clean vocalist. It's the same guy. It's the same guy. I see. I didn't even think that was the case. In my mind, until I learned it, I for I don't know why, but I for some reason thought the bassist is the clean singer and and they just have the guy that just is. 
um, doing the harsh vocals, and they have a separate guy that does the keyboards. And just when I finally watched them play for the first time, mm-hmm. that's when my mind got blown. Just like, oh, that's the setup. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is weird, but really cool and unique. That's really interesting that you say there's two guitar players, because the way that they play, it almost sounds like the same player. Okay, so are the guitar players related? No. Have they known each other for a long time? I mean, everyone's known each other since that third album. Right. You know, but they were not the two starting members. Okay. One of them was. Okay, let's let's talk names then. Yes, so. How did they form and all that? So we've got Tommy Giles Roger Jr., who is the vocalist, keyboardist. That's his full name, Tommy Giles Rogers Jr. Uh Okay. He is one of the two founding members along with guitarist Paul Wagner. Oh, I've heard that name. Yeah, because he's become a legend of the modern metal Mm -hmm. scene. Mm -hmm. Um, More so than their other guitar player, which is interesting because I kind of view them on being kind of an equal footing. But for maybe because Paul Wagner is... You know, one of the principal songwriters. Right, He's been there since the beginning. He's kind of been there for the full evolution of the band. Uh, but those two are the starting members that mm-hmm. have stayed with it all the way through. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, Tommy's writing all the lyrics. He's right. coming up with obviously the keyboards and brings that very distinctive vocal approach. Oh yeah. Um, particularly with his clean vocals, I feel like they definitely are unique for the metal scene. To where I feel like a lot of other bands have followed. Yeah, I think they followed, but I I can't think of another band who maybe have done it before, except for Dream Theater. As far as as far as clean vocals with the technical music that they have. Oh, uh, there's the prog metal scene has been around since the late '80s. Okay. Um, okay. I would say probably. The biggest one would be Opeth. As far well, but as... Opeth doesn't do clean vocals, do they? Oh yeah, they do. Oh, that's the whole that's the whole thing about that band is is balancing darkness and light, which we'll do an episode on Opeth because that's oh, another boy. band that I love. Oh boy. Okay. Um, yeah, so... no, they. In fact, he actually only does clean vocals now. Has so for the last ten years. Right, I can imagine because the. No, I mean, in concert, he does it. It's just that's just not the kind of music he likes writing anymore. Oh, okay. It's it's more of because the music he's writing doesn't call for that vocal style. Hmm. He's kind of moved into a 70s prog rock feel. Hmm. But that's that's getting it. off on another, on another trail. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those are the two forming members formed in 2000. And they're a North Carolina-based band. And it was by the third album, Alaska, that, uh. that the... The modern lineup was set where we got Dusty Waring on the other guitar, mm-hmm. Dan Briggs on bass, and Blake Richardson on drums. So, Alaska was before Colors and yes. Coma Elliptic, which are the other two albums that are represented. Yes, so, songs. yeah, you had... So that's the same guys through those. Yes. All seven songs, which we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes you'll find that I'll combine songs that yeah. they kind of are necessary to complete the arc that I need. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so you had the self-titled Silent Circus as the first two albums, then Alaska was the third, and what I would say was the beginning of the classic lineup, then Colors came after that, mm-hmm. and that was their big breakthrough, when they kind of, when Between the Barrier and Me became Between the Barrier and Me, right. and they kind of transcended the metalcore start that they had, and became a leading member of the prog metal scene. Mm-hmm. And then you had um, a couple albums that aren't represented on this list, but we would definitely go to on a volume two because mm-hmm. they're incredible records. Um, 
I'm blanking on what the next one is, but I know it. Um, the Great Misdirect. Yeah, that's got, you know, obfuscation and a lot of great songs on that album. And that came out Never after Colors. Song, but okay. And then you had <laughs> Parallax, which Parallax is a monster of a record. It sounds like it would be. It was actually divided into two parts. The first one was an EP, mm. the Hypersleep Dialogues, and then you had Parallax 2 Future Sequence. Parallax 2 Future Sequence is... It just sounds like it'd be We're gonna, a cool album. Volume 2, we'll dive into that record hard, because it's another concept record. Oh, I and love then those. And then Coma Ecliptic came after that in 2015. Oh, so that's only five years old. Yeah. And then the newest record is a double album, Automata 1 and 2. That came out huh. two years ago, so that's the newest thing that's out right now. Are there one part, two parts, like one complete idea, or is like a... No, it's just it's more of just because they had so much music that couldn't fit on one disc. Oh, and so yeah, and so they they did that. they pulled a use your illusion pretty much. Oh, okay, okay, I got where you. it's you can you're meant to listen to it all as one, but because it's it's a double album. Okay, but the, but they decided to release them on separate release days. Ooh, okay, so interesting. Yeah, so they they started off in you know. Whenever I talk about something as metalcore, you understand what that definition is as far as um, in the subgenre. Pretend I know basic metal and yes, it. and also this will be good for everyone listening. Right. So metalcore is the combination of melodic death metal and hardcore punk. Hence the core part of it. Right. Anything, any metal genre that has core at the end of it means that they're borrowing from hardcore punk oh yeah the core genres the core genres a a very um divisive yeah thing in metal yeah, to i which don't really like the core genres. i don't really like the core genres either although if i'm going to listen to one metalcore is typically what i'll i there are some metalcore bands that i really if, like if the rest of metalcore is like this i can i can but that's it. the thing it i was i would say it. that only one of the songs on this list is metalcore and even then it's not completely metalcore hmm Okay. Well, and we'll talk about that when yeah, we get I'm to that sure song. Will, yeah. But metalcore, it's it's taking the so like melodic death metal. It sounds really intense, mm -hmm. but it's it's actually a pretty listenable genre. And if you're like getting into extreme music, it's kind of a great first step. That or metalcore. It sounds like Slayer mixed with rap. No. <laughs> Man, because um, that makes me excited. Melodic death metal. Does not have melodic vocals. It's all death metal vocals, but it's the right. it's the guitars that are providing yeah, the melody. That, that's what I mean. Um, yeah. The band that we're going to talk about in a couple weeks it was actually one of the starters of that genre. Mm. Um, if you look at bands like um, in the mid '90s, like At the Gates and Carcass and Death, they were kind of the ones that started the melodic trend, where mm. it's not. The, it's not meant to be just brutal for brutal's sake, but like have melody in what's going on, but you still have the uh, guttural shrieking vocals. It's still in your face. Uh-huh. But it's in your face with like a flash of color. Yeah, like the riffs. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. And <laughs> I know so, what you mean though. Yeah. And so you have this um you have this melodic death metal that got really big in the mid to late nineties. Mm -hmm. And then metalcore really started in the early two thousands, about two thousand one. 2001 when you got Killswitch Engage coming in. So the hardcore punk is is like 
uh, that's the break. rage against the machine kind of. No, that's when I talk about hardcore punk is a really intense genre. It's mm-hmm. still a lot of screaming. It's a lot of um, it's really brutal lyrics, but it's again it's punk more on the you know like on the p- very personal level. Like I you know it's a lot of hardcore punk lyrics are like you know. You know, I want to kill myself. You know, everyone hates me. You know, this just sounds like society is is going down the crap hole. So grunge at a higher tempo. Yeah, and just okay. It's it's hardcore gave birth to the emo scene later on. Gotcha. So, okay. but with hardcore punk comes a lot of like the brutal breakdowns, right? Oh, and yeah. the um, and a lot of the the dichotomy of the harsh clean mm-hmm. so you've got mm-hmm. like you know you've got this guy that's screaming his guts out but then for the chorus he'll switch to his the really high girls sound scre- singing where you've got these guys that are singing really really high oh yeah. yeah and so when you combine those elements with the melodic death metal that's where you get metalcore hmm. and so metal I mean, you make metalcore not sound that bad that's the thing metalcore I appreciate more than the other cores. Like grindcore. Like, well, actually, no. I kind of like some grindcore, too. Oh, my goodness, no. No. It's just all blast beats. It's not all blast beats. It's mostly blast beats. You know what? That's a different discussion. Yeah. We're talking about... We'll listen to some good grindcore. We're talking about froggy metalcore. Yeah, so... Which I think there's a story on that, actually. Is they were originally metalcore. I think you... So they were originally metalcore. They were a little more... Nuanced than your typical metalcore band, more than your than your As I Lay Dying's and your Kill Switch Engages. Um, they just they they were a little bit more forward thinking in the genre, but you know the, those first two records kind of still kind of squarely fit in there. Mm-hmm. Once you get to Alaska, that's when they and it, I would say specifically when they got the rest of the lineup in there. Yeah. They got some guys that could just play their butts off. Mm-hmm. And they realized that they could be more than what the scene is that they were involved with. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, even look at their name. That's such a metalcore name. Okay, yeah, okay. And that's why Explain I always... The name. I had always heard... So that, that's... It's literally just a line from a um, Counting Crows song. Oh, that just sounded cool? Yeah. There I thought like, there was like a cool, like, no, because between that's, the buried and me is like the ground and like, I mean, I'm sure, dust or something. I'm sure there is, but a lot of those bands, they just, they took, it's, all their names were phrases, like, every time I die, or bring me the horizon, or oh. as I lay dying. Oh. Though they all, wow. they all have those kinds of names. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like you hear the name and you instantly know what kind of music you're about. Like the Devil Wears Prada, and it's just like <laughs> you know, it's it's these long names that are more like phrases rather right. than like you know, like your classic death metal bands that are more like obituary and cannibal corpse yeah. and autopsy and yeah. <laughs> dissection and and. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to where it's it's more of like just a brutal sounding name, but it's more like one or two words that's, mm-hmm. you know, a noun or a description or and you've got these metal cores. So like between the buried and me, that's like they fit in early on with that. Mm-hmm. And that's why when I first heard them, 
I was completely blown away because it's like this music does not fit this band name. Mm. Because I think between the Buried and Me and I think like every other metalcore band that I've ever heard. I mean, that's what I thought too. Yeah, yeah. You, it's it's an emo-y name. And yeah. I think that it's kind of like if they had gone back, they probably would have picked a different name. Yeah. I have a feeling. But it, it adds a little bit of a shock value if you're yeah, not I think expecting so. the intricacies of the music that they Yeah, these guys created. absolutely just left their contemporaries in the dust. Oh, yeah. I mean, no doubt that I respect them as musicians in the fact that all of them know their instruments very well. The vocalist can really, like pull off the guttural screams and the high screams and mm-hmm. he has an amazing clean voice and they yeah. can write pretty well and they're really tight together and it's it's mm-hmm. awesome so yeah but, when so yeah when colors came out in 07 that was just like their big statement of just like yeah we're not part of the scene anymore we're doing something <laughs> completely new oh and that's evident yeah and about that time was i would say the big boom on tech death technical death metal were Oh, is this the dubstep period? No. Oh, we're not there yet. No, that's like early 2010s. It was that late, okay. Yeah. Well, I would say that's when it hit max popularity. Okay. I mean, it might have existed. I, I would say it probably existed more like 08, 09, and then like, mm-hmm. you know, hit its big time around 2011. Because mm-hmm. I remember... Big time. Yeah. <laughs> so, you have... Uh, yeah, you've got the tech death scene going on, which I feel a lot of influences, specifically on colors, where you've just got all this craziness that's going on. And you've got all the sweet picking and all of just like, you know, everything could just turn at a stop of a dime. Mm-hmm. And But that wasn't really going on in the prog metal scene at that time, where you had a band that was this crazy and this complex also providing a lot of the traditional prog elements of where you've got, you know, the the weird instruments and specifically the keyboards really mm-hmm. being prominent and the concept record aspect. And so they really kind of helped them and Opeth, I would say, together really signaled the new era of prog music, specifically in the metal scene, where... You know, Dream Theater was kind of starting to lose their influence a little bit. Queens yeah. of Reich was already kind of gone out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, Paradise Lost and all those. Um, no, wait, no, not Paradise Lost. I was thinking of their album. Symphony X is what I was trying to think of. Okay. <laughs> um, those bands were kind of, you know, they were still big, but they weren't right. like leading the scene anymore. It was kind of time to pass it off to the next generation. I would yeah. say specifically Opeth and Between the Buried and Me were the ones that took prog metal to where it needed to go. I mean, it's certainly kind of where it is today, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I would say still Between the Buried and Me, they're the leaders of that. Really? Where Opeth, well, yeah, because they are still making music. Where Opeth is not as relevant as they used to be, I would say they kind of lost their relevancy about 09, 010. Where they had the where the two thousands that was their decade and then twenty tens between the buried and me that's kind of like they've had an iron grip on that genre. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's kind of why I would consider them as being really important is that they really brought some new life to the metal scene when 
when metalcore kind of hit its critical mass and was falling out of style by yeah. the end of the 2000s. Yeah. And I was like, where where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. I think they emerged as one of, not not just one of the premier prog metal bands, but one of the premier metal bands. Mm-hmm. I would say that between them and Mastodon and... I was wondering when you were going to mention Mastodon. Yeah, because I would say <laughs> as far as prog metal, I, I forgot to mention, they were the other ones, but they were so different sounding than Opeth and... Right, they're much and more between, atmospheric and, yeah. and almost doomy. Yeah, bringing well, I would say more of the the stoner sludge aspect with a oh, little, yeah, with yeah, a nice okay. little sprinkling of Pink Floyd in there. Oh, oh, for sure. There's definitely some Pink Floyd influence in there. Yeah. So where between the Baron and me, I'd say the classic band they're pulling a lot from is Queen. There's mm. a lot of Queen influence in between the Baron and me. Especially, I didn't, I didn't hear specifically on a lot of Coma Ecliptic. I I hear so much stuff in that. I'm just like, that's totally Queen what they're doing right there. Really, as well as kind of pulling some from classic Rush. And... There's there's. Oh, it sounds like Dream Theater. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. But then again, I mean, Dream Theater is very Rush, very post Rush. Mm-hmm. So I can see it. Yeah. So yeah, um, I guess that kind of. There's a lot to talk about the songs. Yeah, so I think that gives us a good idea of kind of why the heck did I pick this band. Right. And what they represent for the metal scene. So (laughs) we'll go ahead and take our break here. Yep. When we come back, we're going to dive very deep into these songs. So stay tuned with us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We just finished talking about Between the Buried and Me and why the heck Lucas decided to pick them uh, because it's not a very popular band. And now we're getting ready to talk about the songs that we chose for this episode. So what do we mean by that? What are these songs? What's their purpose? So um, what we're doing is when we talk about the songs, I mean, in a perfect world, we could like play the songs on the episode, but we can't do that because of copyright stuff. But it allows us to be able to talk in more specific terms about what their music is like, um, allow us to really kind of do some deep diving into who they are as a band, as well as we're providing you, the listener, a a first impression, a best first impression that, mm-hmm. I, that we can possibly come up with. If you've never listened to this band before, it's gonna these songs will tell you exactly what to expect from this band, mm-hmm. as well as... I picked the songs in a way, not only as that, but to where they have a nice flow from start to finish. Oh, yeah. To where the songs sequence well off of each other. That by the time you get to the end of it, you have this nice emotional catharsis. So it's not just me picking, you know, these are the six best songs, or these are my six favorite songs, or these were their most popular songs. Right. I'm kind of fulfilling all of these different criteria. So yeah. if your favorite's not on there, don't worry. We'll probably get to it in a future episode. Mm-hmm. So um, you can actually go on to our social media pages and let us know what songs you yeah. think that we missed. What songs do you want to see us 
cover in the future did your favorite get on if so what was it and uh also if you look in the episode description there's a link to a spotify playlist that has these songs so i have a feeling that probably a lot of you guys listening don't know these songs so please Mm -hmm. go check them out yes especially this episode because there's a lot in them yeah Uh, we're gonna be talking a lot but also we cannot fit everything mm -hmm. in these songs in a 90 minute podcast yes and please also have an open mind with this yeah you know this is a metal band but give it an honest uh listen yeah who knows you may find something about this that maybe you've never found in a metal band before. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we just ask that everyone give this a fair shake. If you don't like it, that's fine, but at least you, you've tried it. Yeah, So that's fair. Uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in. All right, so the first song is, I can't remember the The Coma names. Machine. The Coma Machine. Okay, off of Coma Ecliptic. Yes. I'm having a lot of problems remembering the names of these songs because they're so weird. Yeah. Um, but this was obviously the first one I heard as well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when you hit the play button and the song came on and there was that big bum, 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 I knew there was a piano in there, so I knew it was going to be some kind of prog-ish group. And it didn't really hit me as far as like what kind of band they would be for sure until the opening chorus. It's one of those songs that starts with the chorus. You know, it's very yeah. rare. Uh-huh. Um, or I guess, I guess what you would call the hook of the song. Right, okay, the hook, because this song, like the rest of their songs, has some really weird structure. Oh, yeah, there's no normal structures in any of these songs. No. It's more about sections and how we order them, who knows? Let's put it in a blender and see what pops out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and kind of following the emotion of the song yes, in some cases. Because the song the song it's more about trying to lead you to specific places right. rather than structuring them in more recognizable mm-hmm. um, structures. So the I would say probably this is the least complicated of all of the songs in oh, the set. Yeah, no, yeah. It's and which is why I thought it was a good way to start. So let's mm-hmm. kind of start easy and then we're gonna kind of work our way to more complex songs later through the set yeah and and on that note like um oh i forgot what i was gonna say oh boy it was something about how you don't really oh i remember now goodness okay they had to suffer through all that but (laughs) usually i'll say like something along the lines of you can tell right away what kind of band this is going to be as soon as the opening note hits this is not one of those songs. You kind of have to wait two or three minutes to really experience the full scope of what this band, even just vocally, mm-hmm. musically, technically can do. Yeah. And this song doesn't even explore all that. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a good ease into the metal scene for those of you yeah, who are it's, not it, in the modern It feels metal. more of a um, more of a prog rock song yeah. for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Until you get to, again, the after the piano break, and the harsh vocals come in for the first time, and, it's, and a lot more of the metal playing as well comes out, where you've got a lot of the double bass and, mm-hmm. the, and the crunching guitars. Yeah. And then it gets really wacky from that point on. Oh, uh, yeah. Also, <laughs> we, we, I would say specifically with Blake Richardson's drumming, man, you get a you really learn how great of a drummer he is just from this first song. He is, 
in recent years really climbed the ladder to become one of my favorite drummers out there right now. He is just a monster player. He does stuff that I my brain can't even comprehend how he's doing it. <laughs> yeah. And thankfully, he is the kind of drummer that posts a lot of videos of on YouTube of him like isolated in the studio. That's actually kind of cool. And I'm really glad that he does that because it allows me to kind of like actually see what he's doing. It makes mm-hmm. it helps it make sense a little bit, but then also <laughs> it makes me even more like um, more impressed because I'm seeing what his body is having to do to pull off right. some of that stuff. I'm just like, oh my god! Is is it one of those uh, musicians that makes you sad? Yeah, watching them play. Yeah, because I'm just like, oh I, there's god, no way I, I suck. Ever, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every time I listen to uh, to um, Pantera. But it's so important to have. But it's so impressive. It's so important to have musicians like that because Mm -hmm. not only do they make you feel terrible about your skill, (laughs) but they then they make you go. But I've got to figure out how to do that. Yeah, and they push you to be better. Right. No, that's definitely the case. If Um, all the drummers you listen to are drummers that you can play in your sleep, then you're not really. You're not pushing yourself. Yeah, and so he's kind of been that next drummer for me. That you know. Like, for a long time, it's been, you know, Pert and Portnoy mm-hmm. and Vinnie Paul and Nick Menza that kind of have been the guiding forces. Right. And now, I would say Blake Richardson is the next one that's kind of encouraging me to step up my game. Ooh, okay. So. Right, because he's, I mean, they're still a modern band. They're still putting out stuff. Their career is, is it still going up? Oh, yeah. Okay. The Automata was a really great record. Okay. Uh, although I would say that I, I think Coma Ecliptic is my favorite of theirs okay. so far, just because I feel a lot of that classic influence in it. It's the most accessible record that they've written, which I think helps because it's right, the one that I... Right, this song is the most accessible song. Yeah, it's... The whole album is just... It's, it's not easy to get into by any stretch of the imagination, but compared to some of the other albums, it's easy to where now it's the first album that I'm finally fully understanding as a complete piece to where I'm going, okay, I understand pretty well now why all the pieces are in the place that they mm-hmm. are. Other albums I'm still solving up, but that's part of the fun. Right. Is you just there I treat a lot of prog music as puzzles. Let's let's see if I we mean, can that's s- what they're written as. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so Coma Ecliptic was the first puzzle that I feel like I've more or less solved, although I know there's still going to be things that I'm going to go through right. and go, oh, I never noticed that piece before. Yeah, yeah. This makes more sense now. Mm-hmm. But it's the one that I have the most full grasp on. So I think that's why it's my favorite as of right now, because I mm-hmm. I can it, – it satisfies me mentally and emotionally the most. It's also why I pulled the most for this uh, yeah. particular set from that album, because right. – Three songs. Yep. So. so let's get back to the actual song. Yeah, let's do that. Um, so what all happens in this song? Everything. Well, actually, not everything. Um, but uh, everything that you could have thought could have happened in this song. I don't think anything could have been added to this song to make it better. Yeah. Um, and they're very much one of those bands that's that's not minimalistic at all. No. By any means and you can hear that with the the sound too it's a it's a if they have an idea they figure out a way to make it work right yeah which is really kind of there's no we there's no no we can't do that yeah this band yeah yeah but Uh, what they're so good at is they they figure out a way to still make it work Mm -hmm. 
which which is super cool. So probably and probably the what I'm gonna do with a lot of these songs, I'm gonna kind of ask you what were the sections that stood out to you. Okay, um, yeah, that's a good way to do it because there's so much. I think if we were to try and go through every section of every song, we would that... be talking in circles for a long time. <laughs> so I'm gonna so I'll I'll ask you what are the sections that stood out to you, and I'll tell you which one stood out to me. I think one of the big things was the fact that they were able to flow from hook to a breakdown breakdown quote unquote mm-hmm. to a hook to another breakdown which without it feeling like a breakdown yeah it felt like it just flowed mm-hmm. you know and i think that's really hard to do sometimes especially with those different sections yeah having completely different feels I'm thinking of the one where they're so. kind of doing that that tong groove where it's like the the harmonizing guitar lines and it just it just they do this big fill and it goes right back into the into the hook. Yeah, of the song. And, it, and it plays the piano, just the piano for like and his. Ah, yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> yes. I was just thinking. Yeah, of that's that part. such a great transition. That's a good part. That's a good part. Okay. <laughs> I think my favorite part of the song, first off, is the opening drum fills. I love those. I've been dissecting trying oh. to dissect those for a while. Yeah, there are and, little drum fills there. And when we when we were at Soundcheck for our concert the other night, I was I that was the first time that I felt like I actually successfully played those opening fills. Oh right, and then I yeah, was we, trying and we to jammed play the along rhythm. a little bit. Yeah. I was trying to play the rhythm. It's a really complicated rhythm at the beginning. Uh huh. And also the um, I guess what comes after the second hook when it goes where the drums just go into overdrive and it's all the clean vocals and they're doing all the weird harmonies and it's. It mm-hmm. sounds very processed, and he's just like, Blake is just doing all this crazy stuff on the drums where I'm just, I'm listening to him, I'm just like, oh God, oh no, oh what's happening? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, at yeah. the same time, I'm like just so impressed with it. Yeah, and I think, I think this is, I think that's one of the places where he'll do the screaming vocals and then also have the overdub of clean vocals. And yeah. so it does sound really processed. Mm-hmm. But there's still a melody and there's still grit to it. And it's really weird. I've always wanted to try that and never knew what it would sound like, but that's what it would sound like. Yeah. So. Um, and so then how does the song end? Oh, goodness. Um, it, isn't it that open chord? And you've got the, the the um, I guess it's like the the, the triplet keyboard line that's gone. Oh, yes. You're right. You're right. Right. Now, so in the actual album, there's like a small, like two and a half minute song in between Coma Machine and Famine Wolf. But. All right, that's the next song. Yeah. It's a song called Dim Ignition. And so it's, it's kind of just more of a transitional song. It, it felt like those songs were supposed to be put together. Yeah. And so, and that's what helped, I felt, help with transitioning the song. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I don't want to just go into something completely different after that. And Famine Wolf is such a great song that, you know, it's worth including. So to kind of go from it to where it's in the same key, it's the same kind of pattern, but instead of... That guitar line comes in. I think before we get to Famine Wolf, I think it's very interesting to note that they, in the chorus, in a very melodic chorus, used that same cashmere quote-unquote progression uh-huh but they added some different notes that weren't even in any scale that really exists but it sounds super melodic and i think that that's a testament to their ability to understand music theory and understand yeah these guys are music. very musically intelligent so very that's a, that's another thing that we'll see as we go through all the songs but anyway 
Famine Wolf. Too. Yeah. So, what were the parts that stuck out to you on Famine Wolf? <sighs> so we've, we're we're gonna we're introducing a lot more of the metal aspects of between the Barry and me in this song. Right. Where we've still got a lot of the clean vocals, a lot of melody, but we're we've got some harsher moments in here than right. we had. So I think it's a good step up from the first song to we're kind of we're it's like we were like ankle deep first song, now we're kinda of getting knee deep. Yeah, yeah. And there there were more moments where he did the, the overdub of the clean and the harsh vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the more notable things to me at least was that the opening sounded a lot like Oblivion. By Mastodon, you know. Oh yeah. And and I'm like, huh. But of course they didn't, they didn't go into kind of that chugging riff mm-hmm. thing. They went into a more atmospheric kind of stoner. very very genty actually. Yeah. Okay. I feel like, especially like with that. Maybe, that, maybe I'm thinking with, of, a, of a different with part. that discordant like fast bleed line before everything really comes in that. That that felt very Meshuggah to me. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. I'm I'm mixing up my parts of of the song. Yeah, I have the right song. Just the parts are in the wrong order. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. So, um, but it, it I don't know something about every time you choose the second song, it's always the most forgettable. Hmm. Interesting. I hate to say that. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, would, I would probably agree that that's the it's the weakest song in the set. But that again, not saying that that means it, it's a weak song. It's not a weak song at no, all. No, 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 not at all. I don't mean to say that. I'm just saying and it's of all the songs, and, it, and it's important in the logical progression of the songs. Yes, I don't think that we can get to the rest of the songs without having this song here. Mm-hmm. Now, I really, really love this song. It's one of my favorite songs on Coma Ecliptic. Mm-hmm. That's saying something, because just about every song on there is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, this song just has so many great parts to it. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites is um, after the harsh vocals come in, and they do like this quick breakdown where the guitar just gets this nasty tone to it. For a brief moment, it's just the guitar, and then it comes in with the with that really hardcore yeah. riff. Yeah, And it goes straight to just the harsh vocals. Every time that they do that guitar drop and he just plays that couple of seconds by himself, that always just like yes, pumps me up. I know what you're talking the about. The tone is yeah. so dirty and he plays it so aggressively mm-hmm. that it's just you you just you know that a insane riff is coming. Oh, yeah. It's almost like a bring here comes the pain moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's warning. Yeah, know, the brace for impact. And it comes in, yeah. Yeah. So obviously he shows off his harsh vocals to not necessarily the max yeah we'll, but more we'll, so we'll get to the max soon yeah but, uh, more so and so you're right we are we are getting knee deep mm-hmm. into the the metal core that it, this is um i don't even see this is more death metal than metal core well okay i've never listened to metal core like intent i know that's, which is why i'm letting you know <laughs> Okay. It's all a learning process. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say probably most of the viewers haven't either. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to confuse them. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, also, this is one of the ones where I hear a lot of Queen influence in the vocals. Uh, Particularly, there's one section where they go, the bottom, 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 bottom
Oh. Vocal harmony there. Oh, yes. The, yes. That part yes, is... That's my favorite part. Yeah, that's that's so Queen. Yeah. Just like how it's it's very similar to what Muse did in the United States of Eurasia. Yeah. Where that's just... That's such a Queen harmony line to do. Yeah. And, well, and but you, he sings it in a way that sounds dream theater. To me. I I would disagree with that. Because they don't go to that way. They don't use that kind of vocal style and harmonizing way very often. In fact, when they do, it makes me think of Queen. The times the Dream Theater does it. Yeah, like when yeah, I think that, of... That'll probably do it, then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, and then we've also got some really interesting breakdowns in this song. Like when we get to the... Sh- when we have the shuffle beat, and it reprises that, that, that galloping keyboard line from the end of Coma Machine... And he uses that. And the guitar does it too. Um, kind of. The okay. when he's going the. I, uh, and he uses that that weird like. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That he, part's very he, interesting. He too, uses yeah. that weird uh, side of his voice, almost kind of like he's playing a character. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's on this song. I thought that was on a. No. Yes, you're right. I know what you're talking about. It, it reminds me of um, in the wall when they uh, they're marching down the road and they got the hammer cult or whatever. Yep, uh huh. And he's in the loudspeaker. Yeah, um, on Run Like Hell. Yeah. Yep. That's what it sounds like. So. And then you've got a great um, double lead guitar. I guess it's it's kind of like a solo, but it's like they're both playing it together. And then there's other times they're playing two different solos, but they're complementing each other. Towards the end, on the one more day, and it kind of goes into that fast part at the end. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! That part's just there's so much going on. Yeah, I didn't realize there were two solos going on actually. Yeah, if you... I thought I thought one of them was actually just a rhythm part. No, because you. I mean, at some points they're like harmonized with each other, and then there's other parts where they kind of go off like one's playing something, the other one's playing something completely different, but at the same time they're like kind of complementing each other. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, they should complement yeah. each other. But um, that's really cool. I had not even noticed. I knew there were harmonic parts. Yeah. But, huh. That's crazy. I'm going to have to listen to that again now. Yeah. But that's, a, that's another <laughs> you're thing. You're right. That... There's more to, uh, yeah, to yeah. explore. Uh-huh. You kind of pick up on different sections that you kind of... You kind of almost, like, check out in certain parts of the songs, and you find that there's more parts... The more you listen, I was just like, I don't remember this part in the song, but this part's really right. cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you're in your mind, you're kind of expecting the parts that you do remember, and then actually, that's how it is for me. Mm-hmm. That, that's how, that's exactly how it is for me. Um, that's why I have to listen to these songs like 10, 12 yeah. times. Was there anything else that stood out to you on this? Uh, that... I can't think of anything else. We mentioned all the things that are really sticking out to me right now, so I'm mm-hmm. going to... Let's go ahead and move on to the next song. Oh, also, I love the oh. I love the the scatter the that hook. That's my favorite melodic part of the song. That leads right mm-hmm. into the Queen. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole section is good. Yeah. So, how does the song end? And um, how does it tie into the next song that we go into? Oh, I. I know the answer to this question, but you're going to have to remind me. <laughs> so we've got the, so it ends with uh, this, this kind of, you've got the fast part and then it has this ringing out chord. 
and it kind of rings out for quite a bit because on the album it leads into maybe my favorite part of the album but and it's something that when we do a volume two i really want to include the song of uh, king redeem queen serene Ooh. it's got it's a, it starts off with this incredibly beautiful clean section mm. um but it holds out a long time before and then it goes into the beginning of um Selkie's The Endless Obsession. Yes. With that that almost very um what's the word? Like very electronic the Yep, yep. Which is in seven eight. Yeah. Right? And so we got weird time signatures blatantly thrown in there. I'm sure we've had weird time signatures in the previous songs. Oh yeah. There's there's nothing normal in what they do. Right. But this this right here is clearly me and my I haven't played in seven eight in too long can tell that this is seven eight. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So this is off of Alaska, right? Which is their third album. So mm-hmm. it's still the same guys. Yeah, but this they is the just first... now got together. And this I I learned this recently that the new guys that came on for that album, um, which would be Dusty and Dan and Blake. Mm-hmm. They were all, like, between the ages of 19 and 21. Ooh, wow. Wait, what year was this? This was 2005, 2005? I want to say. That sounds I, right. I can fact check that. First album being 01. 2005, that's yeah. right. So. So, yeah, this was, and this is really the transitional record. You listen to this whole album, you can hear all the metalcore, and even just, like, pure death metal. There's some, there's some there's, parts in this song that are just intense. That are that is just it's this is straight up death. Yeah, metal. if you're not used to metal, this song's probably not. So again, be we're 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 favorite. we're getting deeper into oh, it. We're we're this song takes you all the way in, in but, my opinion. But then you have the second half of the song that is so metalcore, so 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 metalcore, in all the right ways. When it breaks down, and it goes into that gray that loves me Oh yeah. Is the whole second half of the song like that? Yeah, that's that's actually half the song is from that breakdown into that huge epic guitar solo. Oh yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes, and this is the oh, there's so much to talk about during this song. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. So So you've got the first you've got the first half of the song, which is right. very indicative of where they were going as a band. It's mm-hmm. got a lot of seeds of what would blossom in colors the album after that. Where they've kind of just got a lot of these brutal riffs that they're just kind of like jumping back and forth through, while still at the same time kind of having this somewhat loose thread, mm-hmm. like kind of coming back to that kind of mm-hmm. towards the end of the section. Um, you've got some of those brutal, harsh vocals that he does throughout the mm-hmm. entire set, where he's going really, really low, death metal oh, style. Yeah. Oh, that must have been painful. Um, I actually find that those are easier to do than high screams. Like, I've been working on my death metal voice. It's much easier for me to do the really low guttural than it is to do, like, the higher pitch stuff. You mean, like, pig squeal is higher pitch? Or, like... No, uh, more of just, like, more like... Like Sebastian Bach. Like, the mid-range, kind of, where you're just, you know, it's more pronounced, but when you go really low, I find that's easier. At least for me. Yeah, no, it's the the other way around for me. (laughs) Um... So, but yeah, so you've got that, and you've got the contrast on the second half where mm-hmm. it's very melodic. Oh yeah, and man, the the it's one of the it's one of the best guitar solos I've ever heard. It's just like, 
And it's the only time in the whole set that we really have like a chord progression oh, yeah. and like a normal <laughs> drum beat that's just in four yeah. four. That's just yeah. There's so many parts of this song. Yeah. I, I I would have said maybe a week ago um, that this was not my favorite song in the set. It's not my favorite song in the set right here, but yeah. it, that it's it's probably my least favorite, um, just because of the first half. Mm-hmm. You know, there was there's like that one part where they're getting heavier and heavier and heavier, and then it stops. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, they're gonna go back to like a riff or something, and then. He's playing like 400 BPM on the drums, and he's got the really low guttural. Yeah, oh, I love that part. I, I love it now, but when I first heard it, I was like, "What in the world is this? This is not what I signed up for uh-huh. to do a podcast." <laughs> but I've grown to expect it, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right." <laughs> I don't know how to explain it any other way. That's other right, than, you mother truckers. Yeah, <laughs> but um, this was, I think, a few weeks ago. I mentioned that. Um, just playing something very generic um, isn't good in and of itself if it doesn't have good context. Mm-hmm. And the second half of the song is the perfect example of that. Yeah. Um, because it's all, you know, one, four, five, six minor. Mm-hmm. Everybody can play those chords on guitar, piano. Um, but because they set it up well from the previous you know, however many minutes, four or five minutes of the song, mm-hmm. when the whole band comes in and there's that solo and oh, it's yeah. just perfect. And the, It's and a the, wonderful catharsis in of, of its Yeah, own. which I felt like is a good way to kind of lead a lot of um, the emotions in the first two mm-hmm. songs. It kind of all leads to that moment. But then it also kind of, it, it's almost like it, it cleanses the palate and gets you ready for the titanic second half of this set where we really start to get deep. Oh, yeah. Oh, my so, goodness. So, is there anything else you wanted but, to say about Selkies? Well, he's he's got some sweet picking there at the end. Oh, yeah. So, at the end of the song, of course, it's the same chord progression and there's a fade out, I'm sure, right? Mm-hmm. I remember there being a fade out. Okay, yeah. good. Making sure. It's the um, only song in the set that has a fade out. Right, which fade outs shouldn't be overused, so I'm glad that you know. This but it's is the perfect only for one. this song. It's perfect for this song. I don't know right? how they would have ended that section because it's it's the whole victory and the 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 triumphantness of that is in it never ending. Right, right. Um, anyway, so uh, but he's he's got sweet picking going on. It's the same melody over each chord change. Mm-hmm. Which is something that's really cool and really hard to pull off, because usually you'll have to change your melody a little bit depending upon which chord you're soloing over. But mm-hmm. he wrote it in such a way that it is perfect. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's I I think I'm done with that song. And because of the fact that this fades <laughs> out, it allows us to start off with that beginning riff of Memory Palace, because it just it yeah. it's not because it's not like you know, starting from like in the middle of a the previous track, like it's just it's just a dry start. It's kind of twangy, kind of you know, funky almost. For me, whenever I hear that riff in the context of this set, it gets me this feeling of just kind of like, okay, we've just taken a step up. We're we're entering a new territory here, where it's like, okay, we're we're now getting to the place where our feet are just about to not touch. So. I'm having a, 
I'm having an issue here deciding which song is my favorite. So I think to determine that, let's go into song meanings. So what's the meaning of this song? Gosh, I... I don't know. <laughs> because Between the Buried and Me, the way they write lyrics is so... Cryptic. So cryptic and so confusing mm -hmm. that, like... I want to even say that maybe there isn't meaning, but there has to be. Right. But because I've done, I did a lot of online research to try and figure out what these songs mean. And even the people that feel like are really authoritative, they, they honestly don't even really know. Like there are a lot of times they're just like, we think this is what it's about. But then like there's other lines in the song that debunk that. So they could just be a band that's like throwing words together. Yeah, but I know that the Coma Ecliptic album is a concept record that tells a story. And I know that the general idea of the story is this machine, the Coma machine, mm -hmm. that you can go in and you can, like, either travel to, like, different times and places, almost like Doctor Who-esque, mm -hmm. where you're moving in space, but you're also moving in time. Mm -hmm. And you're viewing, like, humanity at these different evolutionary stages. Hmm. But also, I think I had read that maybe it's like a guy examining like his past lives and his future lives, Ooh, lives. That's really weird. And it's like the whole time he's dreaming, but at the same time he feels like everything is real. And I think like I think the whole like conflict of the album is him losing touch of what's real and what isn't, and having to make a decision: do I do I stay in this? Should I stay or should I go? Uh, yeah, in this, in this, really, the simulation, or do I go back to my normal life? Mm -hmm. hmm. I think, from what I've read, I think that's what it's about. Okay. But the lyrics are written in such a way that I'm, I read, I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's yeah. happening here. <laughs> and I'm okay with not knowing because it's just the music is more of the story that I follow. Yeah. Because no, the music too. is what really tells With, the story. I, th I think my favorite part of the song is when the riff like finally gets to its full evolution with mm -hmm. that wah pedal melody. That yeah. Blah, blah, so pretty much at the end of the song. Blah. No, it, it's it's right there at the beginning. Oh, okay. It, it there's a reprise at the end of the song. There's several reprises. Well, there's a reprise with that that particular wow, riff wow, yeah wow, because wow. you wouldn't expect a wah pedal from a band like this technical mm -hmm. you would expect a wah pedal from a guitar player who can't solo like kirk hammett oh shots fired <laughs> no, no, no 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 but um that, no, I, agree, it, I agree with you. it's it's well his early soloing is great but but that's a thing that guitar players will do is they'll cover up their mistakes with wah pedal i mean i've done it yeah. before mm -hmm. everybody does it um, and the way that the wah pedal is used here is not as a cover-up. It's as like a very deliberate a, effect, a deliberate effect that adds to the song. And if the wah pedal wasn't there, it'd be kind of empty. Yeah. The wah and the delay and this song has so much classic seventies prog in it. I feel. Okay. Especially with that organ in there, mm -hmm. that that opening riff—that's like more classic prog. It's almost Rush in a way, just a little, a little more metallic. But yeah, yeah, like some really early. Yeah, like mm -hmm. early Rush, early seventies Rush. I can see it actually. Yeah, 
And the the clean singing in this song is my favorite in the set. Yes. That, yes, yes. that chorus, the forgives the Yes. Melody. And there's some weird suspensions in there, too, that never resolve. Yeah. Or resolve quote-unquote, on paper. Which I think matches with what he's saying about it's, it's you know, dreaming inside of this world, inside my mind. Just kind of this uncertainty of what's going on. I think the mm. music complements that very well. It's Wow. Because it's, it's pleasant, but at the same time, it's like it doesn't give you any satisfaction musically. Mm-hmm. It kind of keeps leaving you in suspense. Yeah, but at the same time, it's not brutal. It's not foreboding. But uh-uh. it's just—it's this sense of just like, where does it end? Where it, it feels like it could be looped forever. Uh huh. Ooh, oh man, I said that not even thinking about it. Yeah, that really ties into the meaning of the, mm-hmm. of the album. And for me, it's when the—it's when they reprise that chorus. That's like the pinnacle of the song to me. Isn't there a little? Uh, there's a little. Uh, Guitar, clean guitar line. Uh huh. Right it's it, almost right like it almost feels like like um like lap guitar, like it kind of has a bit of a country. Oh feel yeah, it, it sounds almost like uh, comfortably numb. Something. Yeah, out of yeah. Numb. It's it's very it's very Pink Floyd chorus. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um. And then when they have kind of before the chorus fully comes back in, they have that that building tension right off. Time signature fills and runs, and mm-hmm. when it comes back in, it's just like, ah, oh, yes, that feels so good. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This this song is a serious contender for my favorite song. Yeah. And then and then in between those two chorus, I'm gonna call them choruses because it's the main hook of the song right. to me. Yeah. But that between that and the wah, those mm-hmm. are like the two prevailing hooks of the song. Mm-hmm. In between those are some incredible sections. Right. Where you've got that uh, don't want to go back part where it's just like it almost feels like the song's like descending into madness. I remember the first time I heard that, I was just like, whoa, this is. He kind of sounds insane, but that's why I like it. It's yeah. almost like he's losing his sanity. And it, there's a, and there's it gets a story. More, and it gets yeah. more intense, and the last time it's the, the harsh vocals take over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally forgot about that part. Yeah, yeah that is in this song. So it, it's crazy that they're able to marry such a suspended, beautiful Pink Floydy chorus with that really rocking, like almost '80s classic rock kind of wah yeah. line. Uh huh. With the super hardcore, I don't want to go back. Mm-hmm. And so that's very. I feel like that's where a lot of Dream Theater. I feel like that's something that they would do. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's that's why I say this band. Yeah, it's they were they were the evolutionary theater. step from what Dream Theater. Yeah, I remember doing. you saying something like that. They're a little bit heavier. Yeah, well, that's it's the next step forward in in moving the genre forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then there's the part where they bring in the original riff, but they like are playing it like super heavy, like bump. Oh yeah, and it's just they're just jamming on it before that last oh, chorus comes yeah. in. Oh yeah, kind of like halftime almost. Uh huh. Yeah, that's another one of my favorite. Doesn't he parts. have a? Isn't there a vocal line there somewhere? He is just yeah, but he's screaming it instead of singing it. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, and there's some effects on that too. Mm-hmm. Man, it's all it's all rushing back to me. There's so much in all these songs. Yeah, Memory Palace for me has the most the most nuggets that I love of all the songs. Yeah, there's little yeah to little, where little it's add-ons. it's if I were to add them all up, Memory Palace has them. I think that's why I have to say it's my favorite. Right. Even though there are other moments like the solo in Selkies, um, the uh, the intro to Coma that are like those moments I like more. Even though that chorus in Memory Palace is like a highlight of the set, mm-hmm. and then there's some other stuff in the net, in the final two songs we're going to get to that are just like some of the best moments in the whole. There's some great moments in the next song. Yeah, I have I have a lot of moments to talk about on this one. I would I would say the next song is probably if any song could contend for my favorite, it'll be this next. This one. is this is the other contender. Yeah, yeah. I, I've yet to decide depending on the discussions that we're about to have. Uh-huh. But so this, anything else on Memory Palace? I don't think. I don't have anything else to say. So, how does this song end? Um, <laughs> I got a this is, in my head. And this is, this is one that I was just like, whenever I heard this, I was just like, there's no other song that can, that can bridge getting from Selkies to Ants in the Sky better. Because we got a song that starts with a cold open, but then it leaves us on a drum fill that's that's in suspense that perfectly matches with the drum fill that starts off ants with the sky ants in the sky yes because it start because it starts off just right in the middle of the chaos right in the middle of this huge drum fill and he's already screaming and right so is, is this a transition from another song so colors is one long song the entire <laughs> album there's no break i love that so so then our our next two songs are well two songs one Song after this mm-hmm. is another color song. Is it immediately after? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. So we got bang, 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 and then Viridian is what com- comes after prequel to the sequel, which is the next song. But uh-huh. we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, so, so yeah, these three final songs are all met are all sequenced together on that record. Okay. Which is why I was just like, I want to, I want to keep these as is was, because it makes for yeah. the for the experience to be that much better. So now at this point. Like, we're underwater as far oh. as in the pool. <sighs> Way under. This Ants in the Sky is where everything just all all the hell breaks loose. Yeah, so what's the meaning of Ants in the Sky? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I was looking at the lyrics man. and I was just, I was, I was trying really hard. And I even looked at it and people was just like, zombies, question mark? Alcoholics, question mark? <laughs> and I was just like... Guess nobody knows. Yeah. Well, it's about ants in the sky, whether lyrically or metaphorically. It's like I want to say this song is a drug trip. Maybe. Because it's like it's it a, sounds it's a like lo- it. it's like when I look at the lyrics, there's a lot of like hallucin- hallucination imagery in it, and a lot of like I imagine it's the song is what people's minds are like when they're on like PCP, like one of the really <laughs> one of the drugs that makes you like really insane that makes you like go and like eat people yeah that's the kind of image that i got from it because he's talking about like you know my teeth look sharper than they did yesterday and they look brighter too i should go bite someone like it's (laughs) it's Uh, going insane (laughs) yeah exactly but um i i would concur with that especially you know realizing where the music's going to take you over the entire 13-minute epic. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Longest song on the set. It's, woo, it's just, wow. Oh my goodness. And it, it doesn't feel, I feel like the first three minutes feel longer than the last ten. Yeah. Somehow. Because they're, they're, they're laying down a lot of the groundwork on how they're going to reprise those melodies later on. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like they're going, okay, real quick, we're going to show you this section, and then this section, and this section. And it's going to seem random, but it's because it's going to pay off later. Right. Especially when it gets that big, I guess we'll call it the chorus, the mm-hmm. big hook. The they play at the beginning, and that's also the big moment at the end of the song after the, after oh, the banjo breakdown. Yes, you're right. I was thinking of, of the actual vocal chorus, which there's a... Oh, the big moment. The dream on yeah. fly on whatever it is. Sleep on fly Sleep, high not dream. in your mind. Yes. You can make... Which there's some interesting theory in there. Yeah. So One of the best moments of the set because the whole song built and what I feel like the set is continuing to build to that moment. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much like the last melodic moment we get of the whole set. Vocally, at least. Vocally, yeah. yeah. Um, I'd have to say my favorite moment of the set. I have the timestamp like in my head. It's like three minutes and eleven seconds into this song. Mm-hmm. It's like super brutal beforehand, super super brutal, and then all of a sudden they're like at a quarter time of what they were, and it's like his vocal is still really harsh, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know what the lyrics are, but it's like something about horses. And- yeah, it was. Um- <laughs> Your your high horse is gonna take you away. That line, that yeah. line is the greatest part in the song. Oh, it sounds like he's doing an octave on his vocals. It sounds like some kind of Pantera breakdown or yeah. something. And uh-huh. we all know how much I love that band. Oh yeah. So, um, but that's just a really satisfying moment because the first three minutes are so chaotic. Uh huh. That it's like, oh, we finally have some structure, you know. But. The three minutes of chaos paid off. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, it takes a while to kind of sift through the chaos of this song. It's, yeah. This is the one song that I feel like the more you listen to it, the more you just kind of start to go, okay, oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. It's, I know. Because when you first listen to it, you're just like, this is all random. There's I hated new... this song originally. Yeah, I, I could tell. It. I could tell when we were when I was showing it to you that you were just like getting I was over, confused. You were overwhelmed. You were just like, what's happening? But... And I felt the same way when I first listened to it. Yeah, I had to, I had to listen to just that song multiple times to be like, okay, what's going on? But then it's here, all the pieces, and I feel like I still have digging to do in yeah. this song. <laughs> yeah, so but I'm learning more and more that there's nothing in this song that's random. It's all there for a reason, yeah. and it's and they're challenging us as the listener. That's what I love about it about yeah. this band yeah. is that they are challenging me to just go. The answer is here. Let's see if you can figure it out. Mm-hmm. And there's there's even stuff in this song that pays off later on in the album. Hmm. Because again, this is another concept record, not lyrically, but musically it is, because it's all one long song. There's oh. stuff sprinkled throughout the whole album. So there's reprises of this song in other songs. Yes. That is really cool. Mm-hmm. So Wow. So that's why it's also making it so daunting. It's just like, i got to listen to this whole album to like fully understand even certain songs. Right. That's part of the fun and the challenge of it. Right, it's a dull puzzle. Um, <laughs> for me, the, the best part of the song is when they, when they break it down and they do the build and, 
and they go into the clean and section. And then there's like the banjo just, part. Yeah, and then the whole, <laughs> the whole, but then like the whole like the solo afterward, where he's kind of where they're breaking it down, and mm-hmm. um, and then yeah, the banjo section is just amazing. Yeah, and they're they so they break down into uh, and they that, kind of kind of slowly, kind of half suddenly, mm-hmm. but they break down into into a clean guitar, which is like, which is. Reprising the clean section at the very beginning before they go into the they kind of have those sections where it's just the clean guitar by itself. They're reprising that, and then the banjo oh. section is that main riff that that I keep humming, and you probably are sick of hearing me here. But that's that's what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the same line. It's just they're playing it bluegrass style. And and when I when I first heard this song, I thought that was the end when because there were people talking in the background, uh-huh. and that's something that like bands will do is they like put the studio mm-hmm. like background noise in the end of the song. Yeah, You're like oh the song's over, but then like it kind of builds a little bit and the voices get more rowdy and then the banjo comes in and it's like there's some violence yeah. happening it's like as it turns well. Into, turns into a saloon fight. And, yeah, it does that. That's the exact feel that I got. Oh my gosh, I was even going to say that. Wow. Okay. And then, yeah, that, that <laughs> reprise comes back in. And and then it, 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 it gloriously builds to my favorite moment of the entire set. The transition to the next one. Yes. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to say about Ants in the I, Sky I before think, we move on? I think the only thing that needs to be said about it is if you want to know more you listeners you should listen to this song because it's 13 minutes we can't say everything about this one yeah um, and some some parts are just so hard to describe if you don't like metal you gotta bear with the the heavy parts and the vocals but uh it'll pay off yeah i promise it'll, and, it, and it all pays off with that that glorious opening riff to prequel to the sequel. Yes, which which sounds like it's in Mixolydian or something like that. Oh, you know what? We didn't. I didn't talk about the uh, melody to Ants in the Sky, the Sleep on Fly on part. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah, because um, you said you were going to talk yeah, about some interesting yeah. so, chord things going on. So it's a weird type of minor it's like a harmonic minor or whatever uh-huh. and so you'll basically have the minor scale but your um flat seven instead of being flat is just a normal major seven okay and so you'll get the minor bass chord but if you go down to the five it's a major chord and so you'll hear that at the very end of the yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. But he also does a harmony with the one, so it sounds really dissonant, but you can barely hear it. Um, I just thought that was really unorthodox that you'd have a minor second melody. Yeah. And so I wanted to mention that because I felt proud of myself that I noticed that. Yeah. So anyway, Good. Tra- transition to prequel to the sequel, which is the next song. Oh, yeah. Like, I can never listen to the song by itself. Like... If I'm if I just want to listen to the song, I play like the last like minute and a half of Ants in the Sky to get me ready for it, <laughs> and then that riff that yeah, and then the it just the kick just starts pulsing, and it just it almost sounds like arena rock. Yeah, it's yeah. it's very power metal. It's it's got that the Mixolydian chords, uh huh, and and and. You, it's you it's a very it's a yeah. very happy, very 
just victorious, triumphant riff mm-hmm. to where you just like just put your fists in the air, you headbang as hard as you can, yeah. and you just have this big old smile on your face. <laughs> yeah. This is not a stink face riff. No. And uh, this was actually the first song of theirs I'd ever heard. Oh. And so I think that also might be why it has like I have a certain affection for it because I remember I still I'd, not your favorite though. Memory Palace is your favorite. Memory Palace is my favorite overall song, but this is my favorite moment in any Between the Buried and Me song, mm-hmm. is this riff. And I wish that they played the riff again somewhere else, because I just can't get... I like, get sad every time that riff is gone, because I love it so much. Mm-hmm. That it's just... It's a perfect riff. Mm-hmm. And the way that they all play together with it... Yeah. It's just... It's so powerful... And so, just, again, triumphant. That's the word that just keeps coming to my mind. It's almost like I just, I got my, my sword in my hand, and I just, like, I'm about to, like, charge into a battle that I know that I'm going to win and <laughs> attain a bunch of glory for. Right, and it's the final battle. Yeah, exactly, yeah, so which you, I feel is great yeah. for the end of the set. It's right. just kind of, there you, you know. So. We've, we've gone, we went through a lot of intense moments to get to this riff. And there's still... Some intense moments coming up. Yeah. Given not near as much as, you know, Selkie's Although, and and although I think we actually have the most intense moment saved for this song. Oh, really? Yeah, which we'll get to here in a minute when we go through this song. Mm-hmm. So, what, so what stands out to you on this song? I mean, I would say the part that you mentioned, the opening riff, is probably the thing that most stands out to me just because mm-hmm. it's it's a good transition from Ants in the Sky, which was one of the contenders for my favorites. And so, um, anyway. Um, but then, I don't know. I mean, this this song to me felt like an afterthought after Ants in the Sky. Mm-hmm. Because here's the, here's yeah. the, here was the tricky thing about this. I know that I, I was just like, I have to have these songs because this is classic between the Buried and me. Yeah. Um, but after prequel to sequel and Viridian, there's still one more song on that album mm. called White Walls, mm. which a lot of people will say is the best Between the Buried and Me song. Oh. But I didn't have any more room for it on the set. <laughs> yeah, you already have seven. I know. And so I was just which like. Which you would count prequel to sequel and Viridian as one. Which I could say with 100% certainty, White Walls will make it onto volume two as the closer. Ooh. So. So we'll see if you guys remember that. <laughs> um, but to me, it was just kind of like, okay, I got to think about whether or not prequel to the sequel can work as a final song. And yeah, and I think that in a perfect world, I can have White Walls in there. Mm-hmm. But because I can't, it's just kind of like this is the this is the best scenario I can have for this set. Yeah, and so that's why I feel like the big catharsis moment is the. The, the sleep on fly high part of Ants in the Sky into the reprise into that opening riff. Right. That's, that's what I think is the that's, that's the moment that the whole set builds to and then we do have some more stuff afterwards. That I do think has some satisfying moments to it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is a thing where I'm just, I'm kind of limited by what I can do. Yeah, it, it, it didn't feel like an epilogue. Yeah, which you know? it's, I think it works in that way. But the ultimate best way would have been if I could get White Walls there in the end. Because that's that's a 15-minute song, just about. 
Oh, wow. It has some seriously epic moments in it. That is a lot of minutes. Yeah. I want to say it's the longest song they ever wrote. That's longer than any song I've ever wrote. Mm -hmm. Wait. That may not be true. No. I'll have to I'll have to check something. Yeah. I wrote some pretty long songs when I was, you know, 13, 14. Yeah, as anyone <laughs> does when their ambition is very high. Yeah, and listen to Rush too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we've all done it. Um, so, but then, yeah, so we've got that great riff at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then we also have another great melodic moment, the boom, boo-doo-doo-doo. Where the, they kind of go into the halftime, and that and the bass really takes over for the first time in the set, where you can really hear the the bass is kind of carrying the melodic heft, and it's where they go back to at the end of the song, which I guess maybe you hadn't noticed. Probably not. I mean, you can probably judge by the the expression on my face that I'm. You're trying to think. About I'm that. trying to find it in the recesses of my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Hmm. Some, some, so you have to, you have to go it. back and listen to it. I'll have to go back and listen to it. Um, and maybe it's just because for whatever reason I didn't like the song, and so then my brain was like, oh, you can chuck it or whatever. Yeah. Because you know? I, I, there's no way I liked it as much as Memory Palace and Ants in the Sky and Call yeah. Machine. But mm-hmm. yeah. No, I, I get that. The, definitely <laughs> the best part of the song is right at the beginning. Oh, yeah. It's the whole reason why I wanted the song in set is because it's like, I can't I can't have a set without that glorious riff. And I can't have that riff without Ants in the Sky first. Mm. Because the whole the whole reason that riff works is because of everything that happens in Ants in the Sky. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the challenge of putting songs in from an album where there's no breaks. That it's all one continuous piece. Right. Because it makes it hard to put them in context with songs from other albums. But... Um, I really feel like we get a great moment when, like, it, the vocals get really intense. They actually have a guest vocalist come in for the really high-pitched screams after the weird organ 5-4 breakdown in the middle of the song. Oh, is it that? No, that's a different song. Oh, yes! I know what you're talking about! He kind of almost has, like, a... Like an old cowboy villain voice. Yeah, I feel like he's talking about some drunkard. It's like no one had, walks with more stagger than mm-hmm. somebody. Yeah, that's that's all I could pick out from the lyrics. Yes, uh-huh. I know, I know what part you're talking about. And now. then it yeah. comes back in, and it gets really, really intense. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they actually foreshadow a riff coming in white walls at that point mm-hmm. when it kind of breaks up it goes in that mm-hmm. boss come on, come on. Yeah. I think that that ends up being a pretty good catharsis moment as well because right. it's just it gets really intense there and it goes back into that melodic part where the bass takes over at the end and they have a big chorus there I guess that's the chorus of the song mm-hmm. and then it blends into Viridian at the end, which right. I felt was necessary to kind of leave on a note because right. if you don't, it just, it abruptly ends. And I right. felt like having Viridian there was well, necessary. Well, Viridian still abruptly ends, but we did that. But it doesn't <laughs> abrupt as endly. Abrupt. It doesn't end as abruptly. I totally... Abrupt as endly. <laughs> I totally... Oh, dis- I, I dyslexed that. I... I totally went with you there. I feel like I knew what you said anyway. Whatever. Mm-hmm. It doesn't end as abruptly. Well, yeah. And you can kind of argue that 
I honestly thought Meridian was the end of the album. Like, I feel like that's something... I mean, that's the thing. It works well enough to where... It is an instrumental. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Very, very pleasant one. Yes. So, um, it kind of starts with a, like, one guitar, Mm -hmm. and then they slowly add instruments. Yeah. Um, The bass really gets to go off on this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But for the most part, it stays in the same. Like, there's no weird parts to it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, um... And so it's I, the only time on the whole album where they go into an extended mood like that, which yeah. I think is very important for when they finally get to White Walls at the end, mm-hmm. because that's just a nonstop onslaught from beginning to end. Well, I would say that one part in Ants in the Sky is kind of extended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's the only other one, and but, and I guess I don't know, but as far as just like tour is its own thing. Yeah. Okay. It's the only song that that's the only thing that's in it is calm yeah it is um and then of course it it ends you um, can feel that a rift is building you can feel the rift (laughs) trying to break through yeah and And i think it i think it it serves as a good like cliffhanger yeah come back on volume two and you'll get to hear the resolution look at this but uh, that's that i did a lot of thinking on how do i end this set and mm -hmm. that's kind of everything that i came up with it, it was a very interesting ending. Yeah. Um, and I'll talk about that during final thoughts. Yeah. Um, I got a lot of... I got a lot We've of been talking thoughts. for almost an hour on these songs. So. <laughs> yeah, so, so we'll should, go ahead take and... A break. Yeah, yeah, we'll go ahead and take a break here. When we come back, we'll do the bonus song and final thoughts. So stay with us. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We talked for a really long time yep. about <laughs> the songs for Between the Buried and Me. Just to recap, those songs were um, Coma Machine, Famine Wolf, Selkie's The Endless Obsession, Memory Palace, Ants in the Sky, and Prequel to the Sequel slash Viridian. Yep. So now it's time to talk about the bonus song. Bonus song. So what is a bonus song, Grant? All right, so a bonus song is a song by an artist who we are not featuring for the episode, but they're a related artist. For whatever reason, we're not going to give them their own episode. Um but it's something else to talk about, and uh, maybe they're a one-hit wonder or something, so we don't have much to talk about with them. Um, but it's still good music, and we still want to have them on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And it is also in the description. Um, it's the, in the, it'll it, be in the or, Spotify sorry, playlist. Yes, in the description, the Spotify playlist in the description. Uh, the link is there, The yeah. link is there. Goodness. You know what I'm saying. It's in the playlist. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I got you. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, okay. I'm going to stop talking. So, our bonus song for today is The Space for This yes. by the band. Cynic. Cynic. So, Cynic is, they're actually another very important metal band, but they just don't have the, the recognition or the catalog to kind of do a full episode on. Although, maybe in the future I'll reconsider that. Ooh. But okay. their, their history is really interesting because they actually started in the early 90s mm-hmm. and they were they were so far ahead of their time they were between the buried of me in like 1992 93 oh. and um the two main members of the band is is guitarist singer um uh paul oh masvidal paul masvidal and Ooh. drummer sean reinhardt who actually just passed away earlier this year mm. i talked about that on one of my episodes. Um, mm. They actually 
first got very um, famous by playing in Death, and then oh, and then transitioned over to Cynic. Did one album in '93 called Focus, which if you listen to it, it sounds exactly like what all the prog metal bands did like 15 years later. Wow! But they were so different from every other thing that was going on in the metal world that like just people weren't ready for it yet. Yeah. And so the album didn't sell well. They didn't like really do a whole lot. But then like kind of as time went on, people went back and discovered it and were just like, "Oh my gosh, like these guys predicted exactly where metal was going." Wow. And so wow. in like 2008, they finally got back together and released um Trace, Traced in Air, I think is the name of the album, which is where the space for this comes from. So that was like the cool. long-awaited follow-up. And then it was wow, kind of like, like fine. then finally everyone was just like, okay, they these guys fit in with everything that's going on now. Yeah, yeah. That's so, really interesting. Yeah. So that's why they are mm-hmm. a bonus. Yeah, and uh, they you can tell that Between the Baron and Me were influenced by them. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of, in a lot of ways the vocals. Yeah, that's true. Uh, specifically on a lot of the melodies and the harmonies. This this has another very clean chorus. This song does. Mm-hmm. In fact, everything is clean with a a subtle harsh vocal lingering in the back of the mix, which I think is really interesting. That is, that is the whole what? the entire album is like that. Huh. It's a great record. That's that's kind of. Hmm. I remember listening to the to the album and just being like, I was waiting for like the the harsh vocals to like take over for a little bit, and it never did. It always lingered in the back of the mix, but it never went away. And the huh. and the more the processed vocoder vocals is what like yeah, that's what I'm talking stays about. in the front. The the vocoder weirdness, I think, is is the most interesting and. My favorite part of the song. Mm-hmm, because like it's, saying, it's so unique. You know, I don't have the space for this or whatever he's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's pretty much just like him and three instruments, maybe. Yeah. Um, I love that part. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you know what part I'm talking about. I, yeah. don't, I don't know how to describe it. it it's, not, it's not the chorus because the, the um, chorus itself has, has more instruments behind it, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's more of like a the space for this. Yeah, but there's there's more of like a like a breakdown part of it. Anyway, uh, if if you listeners listen to the song, it, this song like is really hard to, to describe. Yeah, <laughs> but it uh, I think this was a bonus. Yeah, as as much as a bonus could be, it fit very well with the rest of Between the Barry and Me, um, and I enjoyed it. Good. So. Cynic is one of those bands that just, for me, was on the line of this could be just a bonus, but at the same time, I think that if I really dug deep, I could find enough mm-hmm. to talk about for an ep- for an, their own episode. So you'll find that there might be times that I do that, that I don't, maybe I don't realize a band is as important as they are until afterwards, and I go, I need to go back and do this, or it could be like Cynic, where I'm just like, you know, I'm on the fence, you know, Maybe I might do an episode, maybe not, but at least I'll give them a mention here if I never do an episode. Hmm. So, we'll see. Okay. All right, so let's get into your final thoughts. This is a band that you've never listened to before. And now, nope. And now, after all this, what do you think of I've them? literally heard their name maybe once when I was six years old. 
because it sounded familiar. Um, I thought, wow, these guys are great at their instruments. They're pretty good writers at parts. But me as a passive listener sometimes, I'm not going to enjoy their music. Now, if I wanted to like listen to Prague, if I want to listen to technical stuff, and I wanted a puzzle to figure out for my ears, I'd definitely listen to them. Um, I just, I'm not usually like that. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't say this is, this would not end up being a go-to band for me, uh, in, in the future, but I do respect them so much as musicians. Um, I, there's so many good parts in the songs, but, uh, don't know, don't know if I would consider myself a fan. I'd go to a concert. Oh, so I would too. I man. would go to a concert just to see them play. But I wouldn't consider myself a I listen to them on a regular basis kind of fan. Okay. Fan. Yeah. I will say that it took me a while to get to that point where I was just, I would, you know, a lot of times when I first listened, I was just like, I don't know if I quite get this, but I want to get it. (laughs) And I kept making myself listen to it. And it was just like the more I listened to it and the more I started to understand, it was like that's when my my love and appreciation grew and grew and grew to mm-hmm. where now I do consider them a go-to band for myself. Although I would say in the two years that I've been listening to them, that's probably happened in the last like six or seven months. Mm-hmm. And I've just kind of continual, just like, okay, I really want, I want to get this because I know that it's worth the listen. I'm just, my brain's just not getting it yet. Mm-hmm. And it's a band that I've worked for. And I feel like that that's also part of why now I have this great love for them is because it's like the hard work is paying off Uh listening-wise. To where now I can passively listen to them, at least some stuff of theirs, like Mm -hmm. Coma Ecliptic, to where I can passively listen to it and because my brain knows what's happening, I can get to that mode. Mm. And a lot of that, I unlocked a lot more of their stuff in researching for this. So yes, my appreciation went up for them in the process mm-hmm. of getting ready for this because there's more of their music that I understood. <coughs> Pardon me. And, yeah, this is a band that I... You don't I have d- the virus, do you? No. <laughs> um, this is a band that I'm going to continue to just discover more and more about. There's still albums of theirs that I haven't fully like started to dissect, like The Great Misdirect and Automata... And even really, I would say probably the next one I'm going to really start to try and dissect is Parallax, too. Because mm-hmm. I know that, because I really like that album, but I still know that I'm barely scratching the surface on understanding that album. Yeah. And so, for me, I just see the future of having a lot more incredible memories with this band because I'm going to continue to just peel back those layers. Mm-hmm. So, I'd have to say, after thinking it over... My favorite song is probably, and I hate to do this, but Memory Palace. I just, I love that part. I, in I think, in the sky. I think it's, I think you know, it's Memory just, Palace for I me. I had to give myself, you know, about twenty minutes to my, think about it. My, right? my, as far as start to finish, Memory Palace, I think, is the one that I want yeah. to put on. Yeah, and it's also shorter, so it's more denser and. Oh man, yeah. it's still as, as if the listeners care what my favorite song is, but yeah, I mean, you know, some of them might. Some of them might be keeping track. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening to this very long episode. Yeah. Le- so. <laughs> listening to us geek out hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, 
remember to uh, hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, leave us a rating. As as proof earlier in this episode, we are uh, lists, reading those and taking those into consideration. So let us know what bands you want us to cover mm -hmm. in the future. Um, and don't forget to check out the links in every episode description, new and old. They will have uh, links to go support um, this podcast yep. financially, as well as links to the Spotify playlist where you can listen to these songs. Um, check out Facebook. Check out Instagram. We want to continue to hear what you guys have to say. We're going to talk about our favorite comments uh, when we record. So um, just continue to reach out to us and we're going to reach out back to you guys, especially yeah. social distancing. Yeah. <laughs> this is a platform that we're going to be turning to, to yep. be able to still be in your guys's world. And, um, we're going to have a new episode next week. Yep. Um, same time. Monday, 9am mm -hmm. next week. We're, um, we're going back to the seventies and it's going to feel real good. Are we? Oh yeah. Are we? Uh huh. I believe we are. Maybe. Yeah. Trust me. We are. I don't know. I don't really know. The, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get some. I don't know. We're the, gonna we're the, gonna get some. <laughs> we're gonna get some girl power too. Oh yeah. Oh oh, that band. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm really excited about it. So yeah, I don't make sure the order of make, <laughs> make sure you uh, you check in for that. And mm -hmm. um, as always, I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. And keep on listening to good music. <laughs>